Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 310 and session number 94 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. And you guys know I've said this time and time again, I love doing them. And I'm sitting here with a fresh cup of coffee, a little bottle of water too, and I'm ready to jump into this week's questions. Now, I have to be honest, uh, you know, a little personal story here. This week's a little sad for me. I was a little, I was a little sad, uh, but I'm also happy. And the reason is nothing related to Amazon or e-commerce or online business, anything, my son, my 18-year-old son, my, my, my one of my babies just went off to college. Now, he started second semester. Uh, things happened in the beginning. Again, how we always say things happen for a reason, right? He was scheduled to do a prep school this year. We got all fired up about it in the summer, and then he did a summer league with that, with that outfit. It didn't work out. He didn't really care for their program, so we had to then say, what do we do now? Well, we started looking at colleges around this area, so now he is going to college. Officially, he is going. Now, some of you may be saying, Scott, you didn't go to college. Are you pushing your kids into, go to, into going to college? And the answer is, no, I'm not pushing anything. Actually, my daughter, who's 21, chose not to go to college. Um, she's actually done very well, and she's still doing very well as a hairstylist, makeup artist. Um, she went to Paul Mitchell Business School, and uh, we spent a little bit of money on her education there and helped her out. Um, but she's got a nice little thriving business right now that she really specializes in weddings and um, really bigger events like that, which is kind of a little bit of coaching from her dad. So, no, I'm I'm not pushing my kids into college, but my son now who, you know, I think he might have some entrepreneurial blood in him, but right now I think he wants to do what he really loves doing. And that is playing basketball, but is he going to be in the NBA? Probably not. Hey, hey, you never know. You're right. But you know, he wants to coach. He wants to get into that field. So we said, well, what's the best path for him? Right? Well, probably going to be a PE teacher of some kind or physical education and whatever you want to call it. Years ago for me, it was a gym teacher. Now, if you call someone a gym teacher, it's, you know, it's, (laughs) it's kind of looked at like, well, wait a minute, I'm way more than that. I'm a physical education teacher, you know, and that, and I get it. Uh, so that, that's kind of his path right now. And so we've Kind of set him up to kind of go down that path. It's a four-year program. Uh, he's going to be playing D2 basketball there, which is one of his dreams to do. And now he's finally there. But got to be honest, you know, it was it was a tough week for us because, uh, well, you know, we just let our, our baby off. Now he's only about an hour and 15 minutes away. So he is living on campus, but he can come home on the weekends if he wants. We can go there and watch some games, which was kind of by design, by the way. Don't, don't let him know I said that. But uh, that was kind of by design. We tried to find areas where we could keep him close. I know, selfish, right? But my wife and I are diehard sports people, uh, and uh, we just we just love uh, you know watching our kids in whatever their activities are. But uh, anyway, yeah. So a little bit of a sad week, but uh, actually it's a happy week. He's doing really well. He's adapting well. Um, a little bit of a rocky road in the beginning, to be honest. But he was a little homesick, and um, now he's starting to really feel as though uh, he's meeting some people. The team really welcomed him, and uh, it's going to be a great a great uh, part of his life. I think part of that journey. Uh, and I think that we all kind of know that as you do things and you guys heard my episode 300, probably that's exactly what I talk about through my journey. Like I had no idea I would end up here and I have no idea where I'll be 10 years from now. I mean, I kind of have an idea of where I want to go, but it doesn't mean that's where I'm going to end up. Uh, but 
Anyway, uh, yeah, a little bit of a bittersweet week, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that we're going to be able to chat again here and listen to some of your questions. Uh, now, I did want to give, like, again, my my word of the of the week or, you know, my saying of the week, whatever you want to call it, right? Just my message. And really, it's about finishing. And finishing is something that a lot of us don't really think about. Because we just think, well, we're going to start this, we're going to start that, we're going to start this, and it feels good because we got a lot of things going, but we don't ever finish anything. Um, and I, I kind of realized this because my wife and I and my daughter, which we're kind of home by ourselves now, which is kind of it's kind of odd, uh, but we started a puzzle together, and uh, we, uh, you know, we we started this thing, and when I got you know, going on it and stuff, I started thinking to myself, I'm like, man, what did I get myself into? Right. I mean, I gotta, I started this thing on our table. I gotta, I gotta finish this thing. It can't take three months to finish this thing. I gotta get this thing done. And, uh, so again, I've gave myself a deadline. I said, we gotta have this thing done in no longer than three to five days. Let's just kind of bang it out. Let's work on it on, on the, e- or in the evenings. And, uh, and that's what we've done. There's another thing that I've kind of started that I feel as though I have to finish is a program T25. You guys probably heard my story. I've done insanity in the past. I've done P90X. And really recently I felt like I needed that structure again. I needed something to start and finish, right? So I started T25. I think I'm about six days in now. My diet's right on, I'm dialed in, and I've done it in the past, so I know what I gotta do, and some people would say, well, why do you even need a program? I mean, you know what you gotta do, and you're right, I do know what I gotta, I have to do every day, but I need that structure, and I need the start and the finish, right? And I think we all have to think about finishing what we start, and by you starting something and committing to something, you'll finish that thing. And it could be just product selection. I'm gonna spend only an hour a day, but every single day on product selection or product discovery and just go out there and, and find a bunch of products or markets that I wanna that I wanna go into or that I'm possibly thinking about going into. Like maybe that's your thing or maybe it's sourcing. I'm only gonna work on sourcing and I'm gonna start it and I'm gonna finish it until I get done with that one thing. But a lot of times we start things and we don't finish. I had a lot of friends, uh, you know, back in New York, great friends of mine, but they would start a project and they would never finish it. It'd be like, oh, so uh, when are you going to finish that uh, thing in the backyard, right? Maybe they put starting to put together a, a rock wall around their pool or something. And then half of it would be be done. And it's been like the weeds are starting to grow out of different areas that shouldn't be growing because it's been left so long, right? That's never been me. I've always wanted to start something and finish something. I just, I like the feeling of, of completion. Uh, so again, the word right now is finish or finishing what you start. And you have to Again, plan for this. You have to say to yourself, I'm going to start this and I'm going to give myself seven days or 14 days or 30 days or 90, whatever it is, and then commit to it and just commit to that thing and finish it. It feels so good when you do finish something, right? So give yourself something to start and something to finish and do it, all right? So that's enough rambling here in the beginning. I got a little bit off uh, track there. Uh, hopefully I'm back now. I think I'm back. I'm ready to go. So uh Let's do this. Let's go ahead and listen to this week's first question, and I'll give you my answer. Let's go. Let's do this. Hey, Scott. This is Giovanni from Pasadena in Southern California. I want to tell you that I love your podcast. I started listening to it a week after I found out about FBA, and you were one of the inspirations and resources that pushed me to start selling online. Last June, I developed a few products, and it's three weeks now that I started selling. By the way, that annoying noise you might hear in the background is a 3D printer printing new concepts. So thank you so much for being part of this. My question is about online sales in general, not limited to Amazon. 
As said, my wife and I currently live in California, but we're planning to move to a more business-friendly state, always near port. So we're looking at Texas or the Carolinas. I love it here. Los Angeles is a massive city with endless networking opportunities, multicultural as it gets, and California itself has a reputation for innovation. But it is my impression that the staggering cost of living might slow down our growth and investments. Everything from rent to gas, supermarket bags, and of course taxes is more expensive here. So when it comes to developing an online business, do you think it makes a difference where you live in the U.S.? And not to put you on the spot, but would you name your top five picks for the best cities to live and run an online business? Thank you so much, Scott. Cheers. Hey, Giovanni, thank you so much for the question, and I love it. I was going to ask, if I could, uh, what uh, what was that noise, and then you you said what that noise was, and I think it's funny that you're sitting here recording your question, and in the background is a 3D printer creating a concept. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I wish that I had the skill set to be able to do exactly that. Uh, there's a guy that we had at our TAS Breakthrough Live, Ivan. If you're listening, Ivan, uh, you're a smart guy, and uh, you know he he's got the capability, the same thing, of kind of getting these new concepts kind of like done in his own place with 3D printers um, or people that know how to use those things. Um, so I really think that's awesome. If you have concepts of ideas and you're able to do that, that is just brilliant. I love that. Uh, and I just think it's it's so meta that, uh, that you're doing it uh, right there as we're talking about this business. So it's pretty cool. Uh, okay. So Again, this is like a random question. I like it. Uh, I do like it. But I'm going to probably not give you that sexy of an answer because me personally, like I don't care about being surrounded like every single day with that environment. I think sometimes I need that space. Um, I like living in just a regular area of people that are just, you know, hard workers, but yet it's not really known as an entrepreneurial state or uh, town or, you know, area. Um, but I get what you're saying, right? And from what I've heard, uh, San Diego, San Francisco, like those are some some pretty, you know, good areas. Uh, I would also say, uh, Texas has, has another, uh, has been another name that has come up a lot for people, especially going to like these events. Like I've been going to some events. I'm actually going to one here in February. Uh, and uh, that one is hosted in, uh, in Texas. Uh, I've been to another one podcast movement, uh, what, almost two years ago. And that one was in Texas as well. So, it seems like that's a, a a common area for entrepreneurs to to kind of you know live and and meet up and but I, again for me personally I don't desire that so I'm not really sure I can give you that answer maybe what we can do here is uh, maybe we can do something in the comments or maybe even in Facebook maybe if someone starts a thread and then we can say hey what's the best area to move to if you want to be surrounded with other entrepreneurs like maybe that's something we should start in the Facebook group. So if you're listening right now and you're one of those people that wants to get something started, maybe you want to do that. Start that in our TAS uh, Facebook group. And uh, I'm sure that people are going to start responding and uh, maybe you can come back and put it in the comments and maybe we can include it in the show notes if you do that. So whoever's listening, if you want to go ahead and start that, go ahead. Uh, That would be cool. And let me know that you did. And uh, we can, again, include that in the show notes. But yeah, there's, there's, 
I think rather than just asking me, because again, I'm not really probably your best uh, your best uh, person to ask that to, because like I said, I'm very happy where I am. I moved to an area I just wanted to be able to relax and have a little bit more of a slower lifestyle uh, every single day. But then if I want to jump to one of those areas, I can just through travel. Um, but I get what you're saying. I think there's other ways that we can do that, whether it's having a mastermind, whether that's having a, a meetup, even a local meetup, go to meetups.com and, and, uh, look for uh, a group in your area that might already be formed, or maybe you form it yourself and then people will start to come and every week it'll, it'll maybe attract a few more people and you just never know who you're going to meet. But if you're just looking for that vibe feel, uh, the ones, like I said, that I've heard of is like San Diego, San Francisco and, uh, and Texas. Uh, mainly like Dallas, uh, Texas, and I'm sure there's some other surrounding areas there. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that helped you. And uh, again, maybe we can get something started here and include it in the show notes. So if you're listening to this after it airs, uh, you know, go to the show notes, theamazingseller.com forward slash 310. And uh, maybe there'll be a link there that you can uh, click on and uh, and see where these areas are and maybe even just visit there and, uh, and see for yourself. But uh, yeah, again, not my cup of tea. I don't necessarily need that. But uh, for the people that do, I know there's a lot of people that do definitely uh, help each other and and do that. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. This is Mike from San Diego. I got a question about the invoices you were talking in the last session. What kind of invoices should I ask my supplier from Alibaba to have ready for me so I prevent problems in the future. Thank you, Scott. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for the question. And I just said San Diego and there you are. You just appeared. Uh, That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, to answer your question, and I think uh, what you're talking about is it's something I talked about in the last Ask Scott session is, uh, is really about how to get an invoice or even just like what you're going to be receiving, like some type of contract. So this way here, everything is put down on that sheet. So if you ever have a claim come through, uh, you know, whether it's Alibaba or whether it's your own agent, whatever it is, you can then have it in writing rather than just saying like, I need a thousand garlic presses, right? If you have a thousand garlic presses and they're made with certain steel and then they're going to have certain springs and there's certain technology that it's made with or certain testing. And if there's those things that you need to make sure that are there, you want them on there because if you don't do that and then you come back with a claim, they're like, oh, well, we never put that on there. We thought you just wanted this type of steel. It's very important that you have that stuff there. Uh, one thing just recently happened, uh, you guys have probably heard me talk a little bit about a neighbor of mine now, uh, but actually I've found her or my wife found her online when we were moving here and she actually helped us find our house. It's a really crazy story how things happen, right? But uh, she uh, she uh, has launched some products. Obviously, you know, I've kind of talked to her a little bit about, uh, you know, this opportunity and she's already been a blogger. So she's already had somewhat of an audience, but she was getting ready to launch a new product and we're looking at her invoice. She called me over. We had coffee and and we, we were looking at her invoice and uh, and I said to her, I go, this all looks good and everything. It's like seven dollars a unit but I don't see anything here about shipping. And she's like, oh, but they said that's, that's delivered. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's confirm that because nothing here is on paper. Uh, and we want to make sure that that is everything. Right. And, uh, 
we, we went ahead and did that or she did that. And then she contacted me back and she goes, yeah, you're right. That's not shipped. That's just them saying it's ready to be picked up. Not even them bringing it to the port. This is like them saying like, yep, we're going to make it. We're going to send it there, uh, which again is another dangerous thing because if you don't do FOB, right? If you don't do where you're going to uh, pick up the, or they're going to have the inventory shipped to your port and then your port will, or your uh, freight forwarder or whatever will pick it up from that port. If that's not there, you're basically responsible to get it out of the country, right? So the other way is kind of like they're saying it's going to clear on their side, the customs things and, and all of the, all of the certificates and all of that stuff. So this way here, you don't have to worry about it. You don't want to get caught there, uh, you know, in a, in an issue. So Having things written, and especially because it's not, you know, English isn't their first language, so things are left unsaid or or just maybe not even on purpose, they're just not put there, you need to really make sure that everything is there. So whether you send them something to say, hey, listen, I need you to include this, 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 and this, and make sure that it's on the uh, the invoice um, and, and that we, we both agree to it, we both sign it, I need to make sure that that is there. All right. Now, again, if you are like totally nervous about this and you're like, you know what? I don't want to take any, any chances because even though they sign that doesn't mean that that's exactly what they're going to do. I mean, who knows, but you know, you can just contact an attorney, like, you know, contact an attorney and say, I want something written up. I personally don't use one for this. Um, I just make sure that, uh, that what we have down on paper is really like itemized and and really kind of you know, black and white, right? We want to make sure that we have everything there that we know that we're going to be getting. So this way here, and, and I've done that. I've went back and forth. I'm like, well, wait a minute here. You, it says only four units. Oh no, we just, uh, you know, we, we just put that on there because, uh, it was the last one that we had used before. It's really five. And I'm like, well, we got to make that five, right? Because I'm not going to sign off on this and say that I'm okay with four when really we agreed to five. Uh, or maybe there's a, a thing that maybe there's a little thing that's going to be included with it. Maybe there's a little, a little, cinch bag or a little, you know, a little, uh, a little pouch for something. And it, and the thing isn't in there. It doesn't say pouch, but they say, Oh no, we're going to include that. There's no guarantee that's going to be included. And if it's not included and you don't have it on the paper, we're like, no, we didn't say that that's an extra 10 cents. And we never said that. So now you got to figure out how you're going to get them made. Uh, so definitely make sure every single thing is on that invoice or that agreement and make sure that you both sign it and you have a copy. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to another question, and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, how you doing? My name's Jared, calling from Kansas City, and uh, actually the Missouri side uh, of the Kansas City metro area, but um, I'm, I'm new to, to the, this product um, FBA deal. I've, I've done a lot of online affiliate sales, AdSense. You know, I've, I've written some, an actual printed book. Um, in the self-help category, but then I've also done outsourcing of other books and small niches and eBooks and all that kind of stuff and did quite well on that. I actually did SEO for a while for a living, um, but then Panda came along and, and wiped all that out, um, a Google update, you know, years ago. And, and so I was kind of jaded from that point, um, you know, to put all your, your business all in, in, in the hands of, of, some, of something like that. Um, so then I kind of geared more towards my own personal brand. Um, but I am an executive for a technology company, which I, I really love my job. But this this product idea and this FBA thing has really got me intrigued. But I, I have a question. There's not a lot of that I've heard yet on any of your podcasts. And I've just made my way through probably a third of them. But private label is the way I understand it is you're not just taking a I can source the product from China. 
and put it out. I can just source it right from China and put it out on Amazon and see if it sells. And it's got their, it's not my brand. It's, you know, so I can do that to test to see if it even sells. Correct. But it's not actually a private label until I just, what, have them put my logo on it? Is that what makes it a private label? And then maybe call it something, you know, that what my logo is. So I'm a little confused on that. Um, actually that part of it, you know, so when I first order my first, cause I'm going to start off with probably just a hundred, but when I first order that 100, does that 100 need to be private label? Or can I just say, Hey, give me a hundred of those. I like that. I think it'll sell. Give me a hundred of those and, and, and boom, try that. And then if that works, then I can, you know, put my own logo on it. And then is it considered a private label? So that's one of my questions. My other question is, so out of these, out of these, do you sell samples? It's, would you take a sample and put it online? So what I'm doing is I'm actually getting two samples, four different products that I like from this company, two samples of each of these four products. And then if I like them, I'm probably going to order a hundred products, uh, 25 of each of these different products. So I have a uh, hundred total products, 25 of each of these different products. And then I'm just going to throw all those out on Amazon, see which ones, which ones sell out of those do well. And then, um, you know, margins and all that stuff and consideration. And then, whichever one out of those sells, you know, I'll have 25 stock of each. Then I'm going to probably order a thousand of that one uh, and then move on from there. And then that's probably at that point when I do a thousand is probably when I'll go ahead and say, Hey, I want to put my logo on it. I got a brand name I want to call it. And anyway, I don't know if you're even going to listen to this message or hear all the way through or even respond before I kind of need to make a decision. But I thought, what the hell, maybe someone else has had this question too and appreciate everything you do. And, bless you and, and your family. And, and, uh, I hope you, uh, continue to be successful. Thanks. Hey, Jared, thank you so much for the question. And, uh, I love how you shared your story as far as where, uh, you've been and kind of how you got a little, oh, a little jaded and, you know, you got a little upset with the, with the whole, you know, online selling and, and, and I get it, right? I mean, it's those changes. And I, I wanted people to hear this uh, because, again, I, I try to keep bringing it back to reality. Like, things are going to change. And you've had success as an affiliate. You've had an, a, a success doing Kindle books and, and printed books. And you've, you've had some success, right? But then things changed and then you felt like, oh my gosh, now they just changed this. I built this whole thing and now all of a sudden it cut my income in half or whatever it is or my traffic, whatever it is. And you got frustrated and you said, you know what? I'm just going to walk away from this, this type of business. I don't want to deal with it. You kind of took a deep breath. You regrouped. And again, as being an entrepreneur, it's, it's hard to turn that, that off, right? It's hard when you see, especially an opportunity that you already have a skill set, like you already have a huge skill set that a lot of people don't have because you've done the building of websites, you've done affiliate marketing, you know how that works, you know how, you know, finding traffic and converting, you know how AdSense and Google works, right? You know all of that stuff. That doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't change, but you understand it. So I wanted people to hear that really out of your question. I mean, I'm going to answer your question, but I think I just wanted people to hear because things are going to change, whether it's Amazon, eBay, or whatever platform we're using, or just online in general, things are going to change and it's okay. But you've taken a deep breath. You've, uh, you know, you've said to yourself, you know, I I like this. This is a cool idea. Uh, I think it could work for me because I kind of get the whole model 
And then with your expertise, you really can build it out even bigger with, you know, capturing emails and, you know, getting your traffic from different sources. Like you've got a pretty good advantage there. So I would encourage someone like you definitely to look at this, at this business model. Now, with that all being said, uh, let me kind of address your questions. You're, you're kind of right in a sense that what makes a private label product, what makes a private label product really is you being able to put your brand on there. That doesn't even mean that that product has to have your brand name on the product. It just needs to be sold by you and it needs to have some type of marking. It could be on your packaging. It could be on your, your, uh, your box. It could be anywhere that establishes that that is the brand. Uh, and again, I mean, really you could take the exact same item as someone else and just put your logo on it. And now all of a sudden you're, you're the manufacturer of that product because you're that brand right now. That's not the best way to do it. Now, the other thing is talking about kind of like your slow start way. And I like that it's a slow start in a sense. It's more of a safe way of starting. And that's something that I talked about on episode 296 about the, the new open brand concept that I'm working with, with a partner, and uh, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's where you're testing a lower number of units, and then once you start to see them selling, then you can start to increase the amount that you're ordering. You can, you can improve either the product or the packaging, but when you put all of it in, and I've done it, where you put all that energy in, and then you get a slow mover, and then you feel as though you have to keep pushing that, it makes it harder to go over here when you see something else that might make sense that you have to hold off on because, well, you've got all of this tied, uh, you know, to this one product that, that you're doing. So it's very similar to what you're talking about as far as the open brand concept, which is really yours may just be like one brand, but you are, or even one market, but you're going to just launch, you know, 10 or 20 different types of products to that market and see what sticks. Now, this comes down to product research again as well, because if you're going to do a low number like that, you're not going to really have any inventory to do any type of giveaway to your audience or to, uh, you know, a deal group or club or whatever, whatever you want to do. Like me personally, now what we're doing is we're, well, number one, we're finding products that have a very low number of reviews, usually a hundred or less. Um, and then that way there, you don't have to do a ton of, uh, of promotion to get it up and running. Just do some, some paper click and, and you're kind of off to the races on that. But that takes the product research in, into, uh, into account. But in your case, you're saying I might start with 25 or 50 units. That's fine as long as you've done your product research. Good. You know, if if you if you're trying to go after a product that has 500 plus reviews or, you know, maybe there's five or six of those listings and you're going to come in with just 25 units and expect to come in there and take take some of those sales, probably not going to happen without doing some type of promotion or some outreach to get some products into people's hands to start the sales process, right? To get that in, in the algorithm of Amazon. If you can't do that, well, it's going to be harder to get, get going. And then even if you do pay-per-click, you're going to sell out of 25 units maybe. And you might say, well, while they, they sold out, but you had to pay for every single sale through pay-per-click. Again, not a terrible thing, if you think that you can move them and then start to rank organically. Um, that's really what it comes down to. But that's a great, uh, I think that that's a great model, especially for people starting to say, you know what, I'm going to just 
maybe launch four or five or six different products. And again, I'm talking a little bit differently than I did when I first started because now I see that things have changed again, right? Right. The, uh, you know, the, the review game has changed and the giveaways have changed and the code coupon codes, all of that has changed. Uh, I think for the better, I don't think it's a bad thing, but now I've kind of changed where now what I would like to do is say, I can take five or 10 different products and launch them with a low number of uh, or low amount of inventory, do a very little on, on the front end as far as like, what do I got to do for graphics and logos and packaging and all that stuff, still make it good, maybe make some, for some uh, improvements to the product even still um, if, if I want to, if I can do that with a low number of units, uh, but sometimes you can't. Uh, but that to me is an easier way to test uh, products and low risk because again, if I mean, if you have 30 units and you can't sell 30 units just by reducing the price of what you paid for them, you didn't do a good product research. You should be at least able to get out of it by just lowering your price. This also allows you to uh, see what your conversions are going to be before you actually invest a ton of money in that. So yes, even from there, I'm not sure I would go from 25 units to a thousand units. You might go from 25 to 500 and then to a thousand. But yes, at that point, that's when you would say, okay, now I'm going to start to build this out a little bit. Now I'm going to start to create some nice packaging. Now I'm going to start to give this a little bit more love, a little bit more attention, maybe make the product a little bit more unique, maybe add an accessory to it, depending on the price, you know, you know, the value of the of the product and all that stuff. But yeah, you're, you're on the right track for sure. And I'm not sure uh, if you're going to listen to this before you've actually done something. It sounds like that's already the path you were going to go down. So hopefully it, it is. Uh, but uh, because, you know, you guys know these, these uh, Ask Scott sessions, I record them, but these questions could have been submitted six, eight weeks ago. Uh, it's just hard for me to keep up with them on a weekly basis. I'm trying to do four, at least four questions a week. Uh, but again, if I receive more than four a week, which I usually do, um, it's, it starts to get behind. So anyway, um, to answer your, your question, yes, you are on the right track as far as low risk way and a way to test more than just one product to see which one could possibly stick. And then from there, start focusing on that. And then what we're doing is we're building out email lists around that. We've done this contest strategy where we'll find something in that market that uh, might be the main thing, right? Maybe it's a, a fishing pole that is the main thing that our product is going to help with, right? Maybe we've got, uh, I don't know, a fishing pole stand or, you know, maybe that goes on a boat or something like that. But we give away this this really uh, cool fishing pole. It's a name brand. And then we do that that contest around that. We build up that email list. And then on the back end, we can sell them our, our fishing pole stand or our tackle box or accessories type stuff. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're playing around with that right now. Uh, so definitely uh, think you're on the right track. And I think you have a lot of skills that you might not even know that you have. Uh, I mean, you, you know that you can do these things, but to be able to take those two and bring them together. I mean, that's what I've found. Um, I add more value to someone that might just know the Amazon side, right? Because I've done both sides and I think you have too. Uh, So that's pretty powerful stuff. So anyway, I've rambled on long enough here. I'm excited for you. I think you have a great opportunity here. So definitely take advantage of it. And thank you so much for being a listener. So guys, that is pretty much going to wrap up this session of Ask Scott. Keep the questions coming. Head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. And you can do that. You can ask a question there. Leave your first name, where you're tuning in from, 
and then ask the question. Try to keep it under three minutes if you can. Uh, I would just appreciate that. Sometimes they go on a little bit long. You guys tell me a little bit uh, about your story, which I, I love hearing those, by the way. So definitely tell me a little bit. But uh, just try to keep the questions, uh, you know, to under three minutes, and that would be awesome. If it goes over, it's okay, no big deal. Uh, and just remember what I said in the beginning: finish. Right? If you start something, which you should plan to start something. Have a finish line for that project or that task. Again, going back to what I talked about in the beginning, you know, my T25 thing that I'm doing or the puzzle that we've started or just product selection or sourcing, whatever it is you're working on, create the start and the finish like a deadline and then finish it and allot yourself that time to be able to go out, go after that and finish it. All right. So show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 310. All the transcripts, show notes can be found there. And I did want to remind you, if you wanted to head over to the Facebook group, the TAS Facebook group, we've been doing some Facebook lives there. And we just played around with one. Actually, I just got off with Chris Schaefer. We recorded episode 315 live, which isn't aired right now. If, I mean, depending on when you're listening to this episode, but 315 was was recorded live on Facebook, uh, kind of like behind the scenes of me recording the episode 315, which we talked all about the uh, you know the the news about this inventory charge that we we've been seeing with fourth quarter, and then what's it going to be moving forward, and how to manage your inventory. So we we really dug into that. So that'll be a great episode, but we're doing those episodes live on Facebook like that. I'm playing around with that. Uh, so I'm just trying to see how that's going to work out, but head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F as in Frank, B as in boy, and you can join our awesome TAS community over there. And I'm not afraid to say that it's an awesome community. You guys have made it awesome. So definitely go check that out. All right. So guys, that is going to wrap up this episode. Remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, say it with energy, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.